Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Good to see you. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I've said it before, and um, it's worth repeating that it always encourages me and thrills my heart when a message in song precedes what I'm going to share that is exactly what I'm going to be talking about. Without knowing that, that always comforts me and believes and confirms for me that what God has put in my heart to share is what, in fact, you should be hearing today. And Dean, actually, to give it a double uh, boost, said the very same thing when he said that when it comes to being thankful, that it's not just something that we should think about on Thanksgiving Day, but as believers, it's something that we ought to consider. And I don't think what I'm going to share may steal Adel's thunder on the 21st, either I trust. So... Um, I'll stay away from the passages that he might feel led to share on if that's his theme and be gracious to him. I remember I was at a seminar once when a speaker started going to the very passage that the next speaker was going to, and he didn't realize it, address. And this man in the audience said, I just about had a heart attack when he told you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. But he said, being the gracious man he is, he avoided the verses that I was going to cover. So that worked out okay. I want to talk about, uh, and I want you to think about this this morning. Are you characterized as someone who is known for being a grumbler or someone who is known for being grateful? You might have sometimes a hard time answering that question yourself, although I trust you know the answer. But be sure if you don't, someone near to you does. You should ask them. Somebody that's going to give you the honest answer. What what really characterizes me? What do, you, what do you sense from my heart? What do you hear from my mouth? And you know, the wonderful thing about the Word of God is, is that we can look at one verse, and we're going to look at one verse, although I'm going to have you just turn a couple of times to a couple other verses. And even with just one verse, there's enough to meditate on there that you can ponder on for a long time. And it's First Thessalonians chapter 5, and it's verse 18. Paul says in this wonderful letter, as he's closing his letter to the Thessalonians, he says, In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I wonder if you're someone here who this morning subscribes to Murphy's Law. And I'm just going to highlight three areas that that could pertain to you. Are you the kind of person that feels a day without a total crisis? is a total loss. Do you believe that 90% of everything is crud? Or inside every large problem is a series of small problems struggling to get out? Inside every large problem is a series of small problems struggling to get out. There's a story of a young man who was told by his doctor that he had only six months to live. In shock, the young man asked if there was anything that could be done. After all, he was still a young man and had many things left to do in his life. The doctor thought about his question for a bit and then finally gave him a solution. The doctor told the young man to go out and find the ugliest, most cantankerous woman in the county and marry her. He told the young man to ensure that he found a woman who would incessantly nag him and complain about everything he said or did. Then he had to go out and buy the most beat-up old pickup he could find, preferably one that wouldn't run most of the time. And then he needed to buy a run-down old apartment 
in the middle of the inner city. And somewhat skeptical, the young man looked at the doctor and asked, Doc, are you sure that will help me to live longer? The doctor replied, not at all, but it sure will make six months seem like a lifetime. You see, it's been said that an unscientific study found that complainers live longer. And I'm sure for some, apparently complaining gives them a purpose for going on living. Maybe you know some people like that. Most people love to complain, don't, don't they? Maybe you like to complain. It's interesting when you go to the Old Testament... And you read about the Israelites, if you were to ask yourself and say, I wonder where the first time that the Israelites are grumbling. And you really find this in the the book of Exodus, chapter 14. When, if you remember the story, they were marvelously delivered from the Egyptians, from the hand of Pharaoh. And they're on their journey where they're approaching the Red Sea. And, of course, there's some issues that are taking place there and there's some struggles because when they look ahead, they see the Red Sea. They look behind and they know that the advancing army of Pharaoh is coming. They look to the left and there's this mountain range that seems incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to pass. And then there's the desert. It seemed like God had put them in a situation where there was no way out. And their response was to Moses. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, in the place of slavery and bondage, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And if you know your history and if you flip through the Old Testament and start reading about the journey of the Israelites, you realize that they were a people very much like ourselves, who have this tendency to complain, to murmur, to grumble. Matter of fact, if you look in your concordance sometime, you'll notice that there's approximately 75 verses of Scripture that give reference to this subject of being a complainer, grumbling, murmuring, you know, that kind of mumbling under your breath. The Egyptians in this example, in Exodus 14, their response was fear, whining, and despair. And how often we're tempted, aren't we, to want to do some of the very same things, complaining over inconveniences, over discomforts that are affecting our lives. And sometimes I'm sure to to God, it must sound, and maybe use this expression, a lot of blah, 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 doesn't it? Just a lot of blah, blah. The thing is, is that Paul is exhorted to write by the Spirit of God. And in this verse, along with many others in the New and Old Testament, where the writer was exhorted to be the type of child that God wants for us is to be a grateful child. Amen? Amen. To be a grateful child. As we heard in a dedication this this morning, I know that these parents, that their desire is that they're going to raise this beautiful little girl to be a grateful child. And any other parents here... Uh, that are here in the audience today know that that's what you want as a parent. You want to raise a child that knows 
how to say those words that are very difficult to say, thank you. I don't know, as a parent, how many times I've had to, when they were younger, say, you know, that common thing, what do you say? And then, you know, in this bashful kind of expression, it's, thank you. You It doesn't come supernatural, does it, for a child? It's something that has to be taught. But genuine gratitude, when it's at its best, is when it's spontaneous. And so Paul writes in here, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will. This isn't a suggestion that this is, we would be better off if we were people who gave thanks, and yet that is true. But the most important and pressing point is, is this is a command. It is God's will for you and I to give thanks. When Paul writes in Christ Jesus at the end of that verse, he's bringing to mind that Jesus Christ, and I love the Lord for this, was someone who practiced what he preached. And Paul is saying, give thanks in Christ Jesus because think of what his example was like when you read the Gospels. He gave thanks when he broke the the fish or the bread and gave thanks for the fish. He was a thankful person. And so we're to follow his example And he did it perfectly. And someone might say today, well, are you saying, Randy, that I'm to give thanks even when I don't feel like it? And I'm saying, yes, it does. Even when you don't feel like it, even when I don't feel like it, God tells us to give thanks. I want you to keep your fingers in this verse in Thessalonians and flip over to Psalms because there's two very... uh, Wonderful psalms that I've been just meditating on the last week. Psalm 92. These are just two examples, but keep your finger in in Thessalonians and go to Psalm 92. Old Testament, the psalms, we love them, don't we? We love them. And I love this. Psalm 92, verse 1 and 2. It is good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. To declare thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness by night. Brothers and sisters, I suggest to you when you do that, you are obeying the word of God and you are better off for it. Last night we had some friends from Ireland that have just stepped in to visit us for the week. And we read this psalm together at the end of our evening of fellowship. And we prayed. And we thought of the Lord's love in the morning that he had showed for us. And we thought of his faithfulness in the evening. And it was a wonderful time of about 15 to 20 minutes of just some sweet fellowship in prayer and praise to the Lord. Psalm 95, flip over a page to that. The psalmist says, Oh, come, let us sing for joy. Sing for joy to the Lord. You know, I listen to some of the music that's out there. Inevitably, I can't totally get away from it when I'm at the gym. And I have no idea, not only what the lyrics are, I have absolutely no idea on most of it. But I don't understand really how you can get too joyful about it. But as believers, oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence. Here it is, with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Then I love, and you don't need to turn to this, Colossians chapter 3. 
Verse 16, but listen to this. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The NIV translation says, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. There's a song we learned in camp back, I'd like to say it was a few years ago, but that's not true anymore. It wasn't a few years ago. It's actually more like about 29 years ago, 28 years ago. It was a very simple song, not a whole lot of content to it, but it's doctrinally true. It's a happy day, and I thank God for the weather. It's a happy day, and I'm living it for my Lord. It's a happy day, and things are going to get better. Living each day by the promises of God's Word. Do you have that kind of attitude? Or, as we used to sing, it's a grumpy day, and I don't thank God for the weather. It's a grumpy day, and I'm living it for myself. It's a grumpy day, and things aren't going to get better. Living each day with the Bible on my shelf. Two songs. I can sing it to you later for a price. (laughs) But they both say something, don't they? Jenny hit on it in her song because it's all about remembering, isn't it? In Psalm 78, if you go through that psalm sometime, and it's a brilliant one to go through if you get a chance this afternoon, you get really this great history lesson for the nation of Israel. Psalm 78. And what you see there when you look at Psalm 78 is you say you see that what happened to these grumbling, complaining people and why it happened was really threefold. That their spirits, the psalm says in a number of places, they were not faithful. They refused to obey the scriptures and the commands that God gave them. And as Jenny's saying, they forgot the miracles that God had done. They did not remember. Now, you and I today, when we remember, when we think of what the Lord has done for us and how he has, and I trust it's true for everyone here in this audience, and if it isn't, it's not too late today to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The God who created this world died on the cross for you, shed his blood. And for those of you who have done that, when you think of how you've been gloriously and wonderfully saved, that you are no longer have to fear condemnation. You no longer have to fear hell. And you think of what God has done for you from the moment he saved you to the day where you are at today, October 31st. When you think of his faithfulness, how he's brought you through, the only fitting response is to praise him and to thank him. And you say, you know what, I, I, I know there's a tendency in my life at times that, that I, I, I tend to complain. Um, maybe I'm sort of subtle about it. Maybe not a whole lot of people know it, but it's in my heart. There's a a complaining spirit. I see this temptation in my own life, and and I'm watching it. And I want to see God make me a more thankful and grateful believer. But God wants us to, to grow in the right direction in this area. And I'd like to suggest a couple of examples from the scriptures of how we do that. We look for the hidden blessings. 
We've got to look for them. Because when you look for the hidden blessings, you'll find them. A couple weeks ago, we visited our daughter who moved down to San Diego State. And we were going to take the, the drive into the um, evening and then break it up and go the next morning since it's a little bit of a long drive. And I just gotten off work that day. And Highway 5 starts looking a little bit blurry after not much sleep traveling at night. And so we stopped at a place in Lost Hills. I was thinking when I was living there, I'd never want to live in Lost Hills. It's just something about that name. I was hoping for a, a kind of a nice hotel that I could treat two of the kids and Cindy to, but it was $36 per person. I guess they meant per occupancy at that. And so we went ahead and I checked in and I said, he goes, how many people you have? And I go, I have two adults and two children. He said, that'll be $36. But okay. I understood why it was only $36 when I went into the room. And uh, I said, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night. We're going to be out of here by 7 in the morning. It just, it's, so it's just eight hours, everybody. Grin and bear it. It's just eight hours. At 3.45, I woke up. And I thought, wow, it's kind of quiet with Cindy next to me in this tiny little bed and two of the other girls in this tiny little bed. And the next thing, all of a sudden, I heard three levels of breathing and snoring out of nowhere. It just started as soon as, just as soon as I woke up. So that was the end of my sleep at 3.45. And yet, while I was awake and I was in my bed, God was bringing verses to my mind on this very message. And I was so excited by the time I woke them up at about 5.30, so we could get out of there by 6, that uh, I wasn't tired any longer. Just meditating on the Lord, thinking on Him. Could I have complained? You know, I only got three and a half, four hours sleep and, you know, couldn't sleep. You know, you snore and you breathe too loud and, you know, the bed is lousy and the room is filthy and there's no soap, there's no shampoo. Could have done that. Thank God that I didn't. And I looked for the hidden blessing in that situation. Colossians 4.2, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. It's all about attitude. You know, we complain about the gifts that we have being different from the gifts we really would ideally choose, don't we, sometimes? But you have to remember, not every gift or thing that we would want is to our benefit. If in our secret room we complain, for example, about our looks, or if we complain about our brains and wish we were smarter, wish we were more pretty, more beautiful, bigger muscles or whatever it might be. Remember that beauty can lead to vanity. And intelligence can often lead to pride. And so we have to remember to be careful what it is that we're asking for. God might be protecting us from that and not giving us exactly what it is we want. Another thing we need to do is, is we need to remember to see the big picture if we're going to be someone who's going to grow in this area of being more grateful. And by the way, just out of curiosity, you can raise your hand just that much if you want, so no one next to you necessarily sees. But how many believe that this is an area in your life that you'd like to see God develop, that you'd be more grateful, more thankful? Good. So I'm not just only speaking to myself on this one. Okay. We've got to see the big picture. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. James said, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the test in your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect 
and complete, lacking in nothing. Got to see the big picture of what God is wanting to do in our lives. Do we have that kind of insight spiritually? Do you have that kind of vision? Or are you the type of person that says the light at the end of the tunnel is the headlamp of an oncoming train? (laughs) Are you more disposed that way? You see, you and I have got to understand that your problems may be molding you, and I'm pretty sure are, into the person that God desires you to be. And God, and I've said this a lot, and I say it, and I think about this almost every day, that I know that what God wants from me and he wants from you is is he wants us as his children to be more and more dependent on him. You see, the interesting thing in in life with my children is is it's a good thing in a sense when I see my 18 and 20-year-olds growing in some independence. I mean, I don't, I love them dearly, but I'd be really worried if at the age of 40, all four of us are, or all six of us with my four daughters are all still living together. You know, we're all still under the same roof. Uh, I'm still pumping their gas for them. You know, I'm still providing for them every penny. Um, There'd be something kind of wrong with that. I think we'd say there's something a little bit weird. But in the spiritual realm, we never want to grow in independence from God. We want to grow more and more dependent on him. And that's where there's a little bit of a difference. You think about some of the struggles that you've been through, maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe this last year as it's coming to a close. And I'll guarantee you that as you've gone through that struggle, as you've looked to God and you've asked him from his word to feed you, to provide comfort and support and counsel from wise brothers and sisters, that God has shown himself strong. And I bet you are stronger in your walk with God, if you have passed the test that he wanted you to go through. We never would have welcomed it. We never would have asked for it. We never would have said, give me this. Give me that. But we know God is wise and all-knowing, and he's right in what he does in our lives. Also, we need to learn how to praise God when the going gets tough. You go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, and he noticed that Paul says, in that verse, he said, in everything, give thanks. Notice, he didn't say for everything, give thanks. It'd be difficult to give thanks for everything that happens in our lives or in lives of those that are around us or what we see taking place in the world. But he says, in it, give thanks. You think of Job, for example. Those of you who are familiar with this interesting character in the Old Testament, he was a wealthy and a righteous man. And you read in a chapter, a true story, how he lost his children and his possessions, pretty much just like that. As somebody said, the hits just kept coming, and they came. You think you have issues, read Job chapter 1. You see what happened in that whole story. And you know, the interesting thing is, as you come to... You come to chapter 1, verse 20, and you think, I wonder, I wonder what his response would be to this. His children, his home, his possessions. It says that he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Would that have been your reaction? Would that have been mine? What a wonderful response that this godly man gave. 
chapter 2, he's now hit with his health. He's got boils from head to toe. And unfortunately, his wife said, why don't you basically just curse God and die? Comforting words in that situation. And he said, shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? What a wise answer to that response. God finally, in his, in his mercy and in his perfect timing, chapter 38, 38 chapters later, he starts to reveal his answer as to why Job was going through what he was. And what Job learned, if you go through this book, and you skip forward maybe through to the end, if you can't read all of that in one sitting, which I can understand, he learned that God was enough for him in his life. God is enough. When you take it all away, you, you strip everything from us that can possibly be stripped away, would we say today that, God, you are enough? That's what Job learned. And lastly, as we come to a, a close, expressing gratitude reveals something about ourselves, doesn't it? What comes out of the mouth is very revealing, isn't it? Jesus said that it tells us something about where the heart is. What kind of words characteristically come out of your mouth? The answer for us, if we want to have words that are good, words that are gracious, words that are uplifting, is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with new attitudes and new motives. What comes out of the mouth reminds me of the story about of this little old lady that was lonely. And her friend suggested that she get a pet to keep her company. And she thought that was a good idea. So she went to a pet shop and she looked around and decided that tarantulas and white rats and rottweilers were out of the question. And so were wildebeest for that matter. And she was allergic to cats. And so the shopkeeper suggested a parrot. He said they can talk and keep one company. She thought that's a great idea. There were all kinds and colors of parrots and all were quite expensive. She noticed that there was one in the back of the shop that was more colorful than the rest. And the interesting thing was that it only cost half the price as the others. And she asked the store owner how come that was. And he said that, well, this one seemed to have a bit of a problem, this parrot. It had picked up some very bad words and could cuss like a sailor. But the owner had found that if you stuck one in the of, uh, if you stuck the bird in the deep freeze for two minutes, <laughs> he emerged a changed bird, <laughs> refraining from swearing for quite a long time. So she took his advice and took this bird home. For many weeks, her new friend minded his manners very well, and he turned out just to be the companion she needed. But one day, the grandkids showed up, and those of you who have grandkids know. Noisy and playful as little kids can sometimes be. And the parrot got quite nervous and excited and, well, unfortunately, cut loose. The air was blue with his cursing and the whole room fell silent. The lady grabbed the bird from his perch and shoved him into the freezer. And after a prescribed two minutes, she opened the door and took the blue chattering bird out. And she said, do you know why I had to do that? And his beak was shivering and he said, yes. And she said, have you learned your lesson? And he said, yes. And she said, do you have anything to say for yourself? Just one question. What's the turkey in for? 
Our words reveal a lot, don't they? Of what comes out. In our house, something we love to do is when we have a birthday celebration with our daughters and grandparents are present, we love to go around the dinner table afterwards and just have each person share three to five things that they really appreciate about the person whose birthday it is. And it's very good, isn't it? Because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen enough that there's that spontaneous thing of, you know, what I really appreciate about you is, and we do that, and it's always good. You think about how we are with human beings and how we need to be more quick in saying, you know, I'm grateful to you for this. I'm grateful to the Lord that you did this, or I appreciate this, or I'm really thankful about this in your life. How God is, just those words of encouragement instead of words of silence. We need to apply this in our relationship with God. When you approach God in prayer, when you meet with God in the time that you meet with him, whether it's morning, evening, it's in the car, it's in your home, whatever the opportunities you have for prayer. I suggest, remember, you're, as I told my daughter as we were praying today in route to a soccer game, you're talking to a person. It's easy to get into this thing. You just start to say this thing, you know. And I said, you know, if you talk to me like that, I said, I'd be a little bit offended. I told her that today. I said, remember, you're talking to God. It needs to be sincere and heartfelt. And we prayed again, and I believe it was. There's a young cartoon brat, and he is that. When he was asked to say grace, he prayed, Dear God, we prayed for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Sometimes that's how maybe it comes off in its worst way. But our times of prayer need to be sincere and heartfelt. And also, in our times with one another, the psalmist says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. Brothers, when you meet for the breaking of bread, you have a wonderful opportunity to give thanks to God, to come out and boldly praise him and worship him and boast in the Lord. When you have opportunities of prayer together, you have that opportunity public with one another. And when you're with the world, with people who don't know Christ, to bless them, to praise them. To tell people, you know, I'm really excited about what God's doing in my life. I really appreciate what the Lord did here in this situation. And you just share it. You share it in a natural way. That impresses people. It's also good for us to share publicly because it reminds ourselves, it reminds those who are discouraged, who are cynical, who are faint-hearted of the faithfulness of God. And also when we think of this also, it also helps us to remember that when we talk, rather than words of complaining, Grumbling words coming out of our mouth that the Bible says that we are salt and we are light. There's a verse in Matthew 5, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, where in Jesus' uh, wonderful Beatitudes message, he says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And when they see your good works, that rather than following the crowd and complaining and having a moan and groan session, you're going to praise. You're going to look for the bright side in the situation. You're going to turn that conversation around at the workplace or at school or wherever you are into something that is positive. You're exercising salt and light in that situation. You know, in closing, as I mentioned and referred to earlier, a parent loves to hear truthful and good comments about their kids, don't we? I was at the soccer game this morning. Katie had a soccer match at 8. And she has another one here where they're playing for first place. And I'm all pumped up. And 
I was today standing, as I was yesterday for two games, behind a lot of the parents. I had earphones in, sunglasses on, so I was disguised, I guess. And I was kind of with one earphone out and one in ear. I was listening to some of the comments of the parents about my daughter, number eight. And I was glad that they were good comments. And it made me feel good hearing other people talk about her performance on the field. I want you to think, too, in the spiritual realm that the father loves to hear praises about his son. Amen. It delights his heart when we, his children, are thanking him and his son for all that he's done in our lives. And so that you and I today, if we don't know him, if you do not know him, if you are not sure that your sins are forgiven, you can show your gratitude in the best way possible by actually humbling yourself and coming before him and acknowledging your need for a Savior. That that death on the cross was for you. That's the best way you can show gratitude if you don't know him. And for those of us who do, who are saved, may we make it our focus. May our lives get caught up rather than in complaining in praise and gratitude for our God who loves us and, as the Scripture says, lavishes us with his grace. May we turn from being a spoiled, ungrateful child to one who's growing in gratitude. And so I ask you the question, grumbler or grateful, which are you? Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you have taught us that it's good to be thankful. It's good to be grateful. And Lord, when we think of what you've done for us, that you died for us while we were your enemies. Lord, we bless you for that. We pray that you will help us with the tendency that sometimes wants to just complain and moan and groan. I pray that you'll help us to be a people who praise you and who are very quick to in all things. Bless us now as we go. Pray for a blessing tonight for the saints at Grange Hall, that that will be a good opportunity to be a witness for you. ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.